Hi guys, welcome back to another episode of Espresso Thoughts. I'm Raquel. And I'm Andrew. Today, we have a special episode for you. We're going to call it Ask Andrew. Ask Andrew? What, what do you mean, Ask Andrew? Well, today, we're I'm going to ask you all kinds of tax slash financial questions, and you yeah. get to answer it for us. Oh, I'm so lucky. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he thinks he's lucky, guys. <laughs> anyway, well... What's new since we saw you last, Andrew? Well, it was Mother's Day yesterday, so not that that really affects me in any way, really, but I got to spend some time with my mom and my mom-in-law, so that was fun. Nice. What'd you end up doing? Ended up going to church in the morning with my mom and then having lunch with her, my dad, grandpa, and a couple siblings. And then ended up that evening having dinner with my mother-in-law and the, the in-laws, as well as playing some card games. A.K.A. me. A.K.A. you. My sisters. Your siblings. Yeah. Yeah. Fun stuff. Yeah, it was pretty fun. You do anything exciting this week? Um, let's see. Worked. Um, what was great? You know, it was beautiful weather. It was just like 80, it was nice. 80 degrees, sunny. It wasn't quite too hot, but it was super hot and nice. So nice to have the sunshine back after months and months of winter. Yeah. Yeah. Except I, for on Saturday when I was at a track event and got super yeah. sunburned. <laughs> so Andrew never goes out in the sun unless he's like actually on vacation Correct. And he decided to go to my little sister's track meet, and he was, like, standing five hours in the sun. And you know how you get, like, sunburned a little bit, like, in the first day you're in the sun in, like, the spring? Well, he hasn't been in the sun at all this spring, and he was in the sun for five hours. And he's like a lobster on the yeah. back of his legs. It's he has more than a little bit of sunburn. lines. Actually, you don't look too bad. Like, your face doesn't look bad at all. Yeah, it blended in, but I got a feeling it's going to peel one of these days. I don't think it's going to hold, sadly. Yeah, I don't know. It might. Cool. We'll see. All right, guys. Well, uh, any other new things? I don't think so. Oh, thank you. Yeah, this might be a shorter episode, but that's okay. Yeah. I'm going to jump in. So, what made you decide to become an accountant and then go on to become a CPA? Yeah, so I um, I think I really enjoyed numbers, um, and normally if you enjoy numbers, you have a couple degree options, engineer, accountant, um, another one might be like an investor. Uh-huh. Normally those ones are associated with math, or you could become a math teacher. Huh? Yeah. But that, that was not going to be me. Um, yeah. So those are kind of more your degrees. Um, I was going for business management. But I was taking enough credits that I could double major. So mm-hmm. since I liked math and they had an accounting degree, I chose to go in the path of accounting. So that's how I oh, ended wow. up just graduating as an accountant. Um, what were you going to do originally with a business degree? That sounds like what you were... And a lot of people say they go are going for a business degree. And the, I'm not quite sure what it's for. The beautiful thing about <laughs> business management degrees, it can be applied... It's not like, hey, I'm an accountant. I have to go into an accounting firm. Business management, I could manage a McDonald's. I can manage a coffee shop. I could manage a grocery store. I could, you can manage. It it goes a wide range of basically almost anything. Correct. So that's why. But I think, it's a very ex- 
expensive education. Depending on the school you go to, and if you get grants, if you get scholarships, if you're a smart kid that's applied themselves academically, you can get most of your college paid for. And that's what people don't understand is, and yeah. I've always wondered about the business management degree because obviously you can go on to manage a variety of different businesses. Correct. I always am curious what they actually learn. And is it worth the amount you're going to pay? I mean, you learn about like, you learn about marketing, you learn about managing people and the different kinds of people that you might deal with. Yeah. Um, Firing, hiring, eight human resources. Whereas like accounting seems very specific or investing is very specific. Yeah. And honestly, my senior year, I took an investing class and wish I had chosen that as my major. I loved it so much, but it was already my senior year. see yourself getting into investing? I could. Totally down the road. I actually had planned on, once I got my CPA license, looking into getting a broker's license so I could start investing. Because to me, it seemed like it went hand in hand. Yeah. Your clients trust you with all their financial information to do their taxes. And then we actually do have quite a few clients that will ask us, hey, what should I do for investments? Right. And we just send them to an investor. That would be a very common question. Oh, exactly. So, and that's where it would be a beautiful thing. So... We'll see, but yeah. my original business management degree was going to be for hotels. I really wanted oh. to, out of college, manage a hotel, learn the ropes. After three to five years, get a loan and buy my my own hotel, and then that idea it. went south, though. Well, once I got the accounting degree, I was like, well, I've kind of like you said, I've kind of chosen a more direct path and yeah. a much more fine um, area of expertise. So I ended up just my between my junior and senior years, I had an internship at an accounting firm and then they offered me a job after the internship so once I graduated I just came back home and started working as an accountant. Nice. And what had you go on to become a CPA? So CPA is basically like the highest accounting let's just say accolade you can get. Um, I think it's even higher up than getting a master's in accounting. Uh-huh. Um, and the CPA license I knew it was something I wanted to get because again I wanted to get as high as I can in accounting. Yeah. I want to become the best I can be. And CPA gives you all the power. You can sign tax returns. You can have your own accounting firm, like all the things that right. I want to do um, down the road. So I figured the best time to do it was fresh out of college while I still had as much of the knowledge from college, um, <laughs> kind of rhymed a little bit, in my brain and retained. So that uh, kind of rhymed a little bit too. <laughs> On fire. <laughs> So that's why right after college, I kind of started pursuing the uh, CPA license. So my first impression of accountants growing up was they just are like really smart people. And then I just figured accountants are like really smart because they like know what you should do with your money and stuff, whatever. Then my first real interaction with an accountant was you when we started dating. So sweet. And then now, though, you always hear the joke or like the phrase, like, oh, my parents wanted me to become an accountant, but I chose to go on like, and become like a, an actor or something. But, you know, my parents wanted me to become... Like, why do you think there's a stereotype about becoming an accountant? Like, it's this, like, be-all, end-all, safe job. Like, you always hear that phrase, and then you also hear, like, like, oh, here's... Like, they're, like, the accountant. Like, it's a boring job. Like, why does accounting have that stereotype? I will say, I think <laughs> what that... What is it? I have... <laughs> I, I would understand people wanting their kids maybe to become an accountant only due to the fact I feel like an accountant is kind of in the same circle of people as maybe like a lawyer and I wouldn't necess- I would say just in the professional aspect of you know you have your lawyer which has clients 
and you have your accountant that has clients. And that um, you'll always have a job. There will always be a need. There, there's job security in the fact. Um, and I would say it's it's a, maybe a, a high a higher end career in regards to it, it. It takes a lot of time to get there. You know, it took me two and a half years to get the CPA license. Like if you actually yeah. become a CPA, I think that's just, it's not quite like becoming a lawyer because again, Lawyers lawyer has more, more school. They do get paid more <laughs> per hour in some places. Depends. Um, I mean, I could become a tax attorney. I could become a tax lawyer. How how long would it take for you to become a tax attorney? I think it's that? an additional two years of school, possibly, and then pass the bar. I think I had one of my college friends pursue that. Yeah, he went to uh, Willamette University, I think, to pursue it. But again, here's the thing: to become a CPA, you have to basically, I think, take enough credits to just about get your master's anyway. Oh, so I'm not it. sure how much actual school I would need to do. Um, in law school before I could actually and I believe in Washington you can actually take the bar without actually be having a law degree oh, really? and become licensed to practice I thought that was just like California I think Washington is the same wow. not that I would try because it really just sounds hard. horrible <laughs> but yeah um, but I don't know why parents would ever say that I think it's kind of funny and silly or like there's this whole nerd accountant I know. stereotype. Oh, and like overweight understand. and like okay. bald, maybe has. I don't. Or just like nerdy. I think. Yeah. Oh, totally. I don't know why you think. Okay. Cool. Um, what makes a good accountant? Any specific qualities, or is it just like, oh, you like numbers, you like doing math? Like, are there any like qualities that make you great at like, your job? Or. I would say there's there's two sides to the accountant. Aren't as obvious. There's two sides to the accountant. And let's just let's just say a CPA, just because there technically are two different. Basically, an accountant will do your number crunching, will input numbers into the tax software, but your CPA is going to be the person that generally meets with clients and then reviews the accountant's work to make sure that the tax return is done completely. Okay, got it. And correctly. So okay. I would say an accountant, you got to be very kind of detail oriented to be like okay. Because what you're doing is you're basically taking numbers that a client gives you, you're inputting them into an organizer, which is just a paper copy of basically numbers of yeah. like, hey, here is the W-2, and you fill out this organizer, and then you open up your tax software. Oh, okay. You transfer the numbers into the computer, mm-hmm. um, and it spits out a tax return. So you got to make sure that you're kind of detail-oriented so you're not missing steps, you're not missing numbers that should There's have been recorded. There's a lot of detail steps. Like exactly. You mess up one thing, it can mess up everything. Correct. And so that's, got again, it. that's why you have the CPA review it. They might tag some things and be like, hey, you missed this number, you missed this, or this one, you actually put a five and seven, eight, et cetera, et cetera. So the accountant needs to be kind of detail-oriented. Good with math is, you know, I think that it does help speed things up, you know, being able to add numbers in your head quickly right we'll speed things up yeah. but it's not necessary because we do have calculators you know we do have those kind of things that we do use right um and it's not like we're actually doing the return by hand and trying to figure things out like that do you find that like you need like good people skills because you're working with clients or not necessarily it's kind of like i ask you a question you answer i do your taxes like. that's where i would say the <laughs> cpa not only includes the accountant's ability to be detail-oriented, but is also, and I would say the tendency to be a good CPA would be a little more extroverted, a little more people person, as well as confident, okay? If you were to ask me questions in a meeting, I don't want to always say, I'm not sure, but let me, but, you know, I'm going to, I'll look it up. You know, that doesn't sound very confident, but if I'm like, this is what it's going to look like, and I might drop something if I'm not 100% sure, 
about what I just answered, I might say something like, let me double check with the other CPA here or so there's new tax law, mm -hmm. so I'm going to double check that just to confirm right. if I'm not 100% sure. But that way I still look confident because I give them a number. I kind of let them know what it's going to look like. and But I, I also cover myself by saying, but I'm going to double check just to make sure before. Yeah, because I mean, essentially you want your client to feel like... Like we're competent. We know what we're talking about. Yeah, and like they can sort of, the fact that they're hiring you, they can relax a little bit. Correct. And know that, <laughs> I don't know. All right, cool. Um, what is the most commonly asked question you get? Most commonly asked question? And if it's easier, what's your most commonly asked question like you get at your tax from, from clients? And then what's the most commonly asked question you just randomly get because when people find out you're an accountant or something or you're a CPA? I think, um, <laughs> I know one, but what's the first one? Like, what do you, it's the most commonly question, like, clients will ask. They'll always ask, it'll be around the end of the year, or the beginning of the next year, whenever you see someone, they'll ask you about, oh, how are the new tax laws? They'll, like, they will pick up one or two snippets from some sort of TV that they've been watching about how the tax law has changed, and now there's this thing called Cubid. And they will just happen to hear this, and they'll be like, oh, so how's Cupid going to affect this here? <laughs> Is that something you get from clients or more just from social that you get from people? I would say socially, but generally clients will also clients pull up, hey, I heard too. about this, or my okay. buddy told me this. I figured that's what was what you were going to say about like socially what you get from yeah. like, friends or whatever. Totally. It's like, oh, what do you think about the new tax law? Yeah. But I was wondering if you get like a very specific question from like clients that's kind of random, but it's fine. All right. Moving on. Um, so, why do people need to hire an accountant? And then also, like, what people should hire an accountant? What people can just use TurboTax? Yeah. I will say, is it just, it's a matter of whether you want to do your taxes or pay someone else to do them? Or do they both work equally unless you have a big business? Like, if you work for someone else, mm -hmm. should you hire an accountant? Yeah. Um, I would say... The reason, the first question, the reason you should hire an accountant or a CPA in the first place. To do your taxes for you. To do your taxes is, I agree, if your business is big enough and you're not comfortable. What if you just work for someone else though? Like you have a normal. A w yeah, W-2, nine to five job. You have a lot be, of things, you have a house, whatever, you have family. But like, do you, should you hire an accountant though to help should, you? Only, I would say if you only have a W-2, even if you also own a house, it's. It's very simple to just do it on your own in TurboTax. Yeah. Uh, only only time I would start maybe use, looking into an accountant is if you have a business that you are running. Um, and again, you're not 100% sure about certain tax breaks or how to input things into the tax software. The nice thing about hiring a CPA um, to do your work is how, how I like to phrase it is you're basically buying tax insurance. If you do your taxes wrong in TurboTax and the IRS sends you a letter that's going to penalize you and charge your interest, that's yeah, on you. You have right. to pay that no matter what. Right. If a tax firm makes a mistake. takes all your information and makes the mistake, the tax firm is going to pay those penalties and interest. Yeah. And yeah, you might get a bill for 300 400 500 bucks, depending on how much information. But if you think about it, you basically have like stress off the shoulders like as soon as you give all your information you can kind of relax right and it's gonna all be done for you you then come and sign you can ask questions they'll answer it um but i would say if you just have w-2s maybe even 1099 like interest income dividends 
stuff like that. You could probably totally do that with just TurboTax, no problem. However, if you make a mistake, it's on you. Correct. And that's where I think as soon as you start getting bigger, you start getting confused with it. More money that's involved. Possibly more money is involved. I would say just go for the CPA because, again, they're going to charge you, but it's a professional service, and it's like you're buying insurance for your taxes. Yeah. Cool. Um, What's the best way people can organize their finances so that come time to do taxes it's like really simple is there a way or does it just depend no there totally is so like i said so the whole organizer thing i was talking about we actually mail out an organizer to our to our clients we have in our software okay so that's if for any of your clients correct so what what it looks like is it'll basically have hey last year you had a w-2 from this business did you have it again so you can go go through this organizer go through your tax documents and you can be like yes here's the w-2 or no i didn't work there anymore at all in 2019 so I don't have a W-2 and you can scratch them off the organizers. That way we know, okay, we don't have to worry about, we can delete them out of the tax software and you know it yeah. makes it much quicker and that also helps clients generally with what they need to provide us with this year as well. If they don't have a, a tax, if they don't have a law firm that they hire to send them that, An accounting what, firm. Accounting firm, sorry. Yeah. Did I say law firm? You did. You did. <laughs> what can they do to... Whether that's the I would just deciding to hire an accountant. Normally, like, what do they do during the year to like? What's the best thing to do? Well, if you have a Should business, they hire a bookkeeper for sure. Or can they keep books themselves? A bookkeeper. Do, do people need receipts anymore? Like yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> if you run a business, you have to keep your receipts. Credit card statements do not count. You have to have physical copy. I would say throw them in a shoebox or scan them into your computer and then leave them in a shoebox somewhere, just so you do still have the paper copy. Um, accountants, we don't need to see them. We personally do not need to see personal receipts. We don't care about that. Give me an Excel spreadsheet with the totals or something like that. I don't care. But if the IRS were to audit you, they will want to see those receipts. Um, but I would say, again, it depends on the size of the business. If you're a mom paw shop, all right, and you have very small amount of things coming in and going out to where you can just keep something in a little book or a little balancing ledger or something, you don't need to hire a bookkeeper. Maybe look into getting a QuickBooks, an accounting software to help track, make it easier. Yeah. Because there are tons of those out there. Um, yeah. But you do not actually need, in my opinion, to get a bookkeeper at that point. But you never know. Again, there are some cheap bookkeepers out there that only charge like 30, 50 bucks a month. And again, if you think about it, you are simplifying your life. Hey, is my is my three to five hours of time I'm going to spend working on the books every month yeah. worth it? Or should I just give this person all the receipts, all the bank statements, and have them do up my books? At the end of the year, my bookkeeper sends my information to my CPA or accountant, and that gets taken care of. Or they can yeah. just send it to me, and I can input it into TurboTax. Right. Cool. But don't always trust bookkeepers 100% because we have yeah. gotten books from people, and we've asked questions and had to change them a little bit. So yeah. just a heads up. Uh, next question. How much money can you make off a hobby before it's considered a business? Um, <laughs> well, most people, I don't know if I've ever seen anyone. Make a lot of money. Okay. Like, like, yeah, you can whatever. make, you can Say make $599. A hobby. Okay. You, you make $599 okay. because as soon as you hit $600, if it is, if you were, if you made six hundred dollars from someone, I mean, it depends on what your hobby is. If you worked for someone or you did something and you made over six hundred bucks, they're supposed to send you a ten ninety nine miscellaneous. Or if you swipe credit card, credit card company is going to send you a ten ninety nine 
K. K? K. Of, oh, of your That shows your credit card cash, receipts. And as soon as that gets sent to you, you have to report it as a business. Or if else people IRS. Are, are swiping. So if you use credit cards, we're going to pay Square. you. Square, yep. Let's just say. They, you have automatically have to pay. Because what's going to happen is Square is going to send you a 1099K saying you had $100,000, or let's even just say you had $250 worth of sales that we collected. Yeah. They're going to send that also to the IRS, and if you do not report that on your tax return, Even the if that's IRS, under 599 though. Correct. Correct. Because, because you chose to use a credit card swiping thing. Oh, You're I bad. didn't know that. But um, the IRS has a very quick double check system where whatever, if... Square uses your social security number, says $250, IRS will look at your tax return. They'll look up your social security number, look at the tax return, they'll be like, I don't see any business in here. Yeah, so if people are paying you with checks, though, is that all good as long as it's not over 599 Everything should technically, all income should Even be Even if recorded. it's under that amount. Correct. I thought you said if it's not under that, is that, that, a, that, is that is, just what people advise or is that actually you don't have well, to pay taxes? Well, again, get, if you get non-employee compensation over $600, people have to issue you a 1099 MISC, which stands for miscellaneous, with the box seven filled in for non-employee compensation. Whenever that is... A non-employed, that means it's not... It's just You're based on an independent contractor. Correct, correct. Okay. Correct. So... But most okay. people, what happens, so... That's a great question, but normally it's in the other direction. Yeah. Their hobby loses them money most of the time for people. Hey. That happens all the time. And so what happens is actually the IRS, if you lose money, if you don't make money normally within three years, the IRS, because what they'll do is they'll record as a business, they'll record buku bucks of loss, which reduces their taxable income. I have the craft business. Correct. And I have to buy all these supplies. Yep. And I'm not making very much money, but I have so many supplies. Correct. You're saying, and I'm using this to get, you know, deductions. Yes. After three years, if I don't report making money or making a certain amount of money, I get in trouble. What's going to happen is the IRS is going to declare it a hobby and not a business okay. and get rid of your losses and therefore You're increase owe your a tax bunch of money? income. Exactly. But normally, all three years, they'll go back three years, nicks it the last three years. So okay. that's why it's always recommended make money within three years of starting that business or any hobby. money or, or more money than what you more money ex- than your expenses okay so make a profit make a profit okay there we go there we so go so if i don't make a profit within three years there's I a chance the irs going can to ha- and i'm doing deductions yep okay now there is some people like normally whenever we breaking do- even's all good though normally yes it okay. does look a little suspicious but i will say we do do well. we do have quite a few <laughs> farms um people that have farms that they will they like always lose money and yeah. there is a way that you can prove it. if you if you have been in the business and you're actually taking active steps yeah to like let's say i was literally working 40 hours a week on my farm yeah and i still lost money yeah that's fine but if i was spending three hours on my farm a week or three hours a month and i was recording a bunch of losses that. You basically are like, no, I don't work anywhere else. I this is what I this is my this daily is my schedule. Job, yeah. Like this is what I'm doing. I'm planting trees. We had a bad harvest last, you know, or whatever, yeah. you know. But I would say if you're doing just a little, like you said, a craft business, and you spend a little bit of time, a little bit of time, but you're writing off all this stuff. Or that, does this apply to any business? Any business. So, so a coffee shop, for example, if it yep. doesn't make money and th- profit in three years. Oh, that's fine. Why? It doesn't. You just said any business. Yes, but that. So okay. So these are businesses that are hobbies. Okay. That's Me a very, owning a coffee shop is not a 
hobby. Correct. Because I, I have just, employees that run it. Okay, so you can just prove straight up because you have employees and you're paying employees W-2, issuing W-2s at this period. Correct. So it, it's, okay. And so, I also have a business name. Correct, correct. All those okay. things. Okay, okay. Good Fine. question, though. Good question. <laughs> just because it doesn't um, make money doesn't mean I'm really it's confused about... Oh, wait. So I actually got one question from someone else. Oh, cool. Um, I don't understand the question. Okay. So I'm just going to read it exactly how it was asked. <laughs> Perfect. Do you have to pay tax on previous year's tax refund if you took an itemized deduction, and why? Ooh. And I don't That's understand very, what they're asking. How about, I, how about I explain then what itemized deduction is for you? Well, I think I know what and that is. I just don't understand why you would ever pay taxes on a refund. I'm so confused. So, here's the reason why. So, we live on the beautiful border of Oregon and Washington. Hooray. This person lives in California who asked. But, okay. Okay. Cool. So, what happens is this. With, let's just go with last year, because last year it happened a lot more. People would itemize, okay? Then okay. this was what itemizing is. You have okay. a standard deduction of single at 6300 you get it right off your taxes, okay? okay. You get to reduce your income by $6,300. If you're single married, six, okay. if you're married, it's 12600 so just double. Okay. Now, let's say you were, you live in Oregon. And, okay. And let's just pretend you made $100,000, you had $10,000 withheld. Okay. Okay. And let's say you owned a house. You paid 10000 in mortgage interest, and that's it. That's just for simplicity's sake, you did that. You okay. have $20,000 of what's called itemized deductions. Okay. The 20000 since it is higher than 12600 you would take the $20,000 figure and reduce your income by $20,000 instead of the standard deduction of 12600 Okay. Meaning you're going to get taxed on eighty grand. Instead of hundred, well, instead no. of a hundred thousand minus twelve thousand six hundred. Okay. Which is like eighty-seven four hundred. Yeah. Once again, okay at math. Okay. Um, so that's what itemizing. Now, if you itemize and you get an organ refund, you indeed are taxed on it. And the reason is, is because you wrote off the refund in the previous year. You technically took it as a deduction. If you get it back in income, you have to report it as income. And what that looks like is I believe it's like box four on the 1040 where it says taxable refund slash is like state slash local refunds. Um, but you do indeed have to record it. Now, most people, if you're renting a house, mm -hmm. there's a high percent chance you might not cross that standard deduction line because rent is not deductible. Oh. Um, mortgage interest is the biggest in property taxes, especially if you just bought a brand new house, you're going to have very a lot of mortgage interest you're paying and your property right. taxes. But in 2019, or sorry, in 2018 tax law, it's so confusing because we're in 2019, but this last tax year... Was different. They significantly increased up to $24,000 the standard deduction. They basically doubled it. So it made it a lot harder for people to hit that itemized threshold. Yeah. Which again means you're, if you get a local or a state refund, it's not taxable, which is a good thing. Okay. Um... But, yeah. Okay. That's a great question. That is indeed, yes, your state refund is taxable if you did itemize the year before. Okay. Do you think you answered her question clearly? And she said, and why? Yes. Okay. So, the whole why part is since you wrote it off the year before, let's just pretend you expensed it. You wrote it off as an expense. Okay. Because it helped reduce your income. Right. You're getting it back. Whatever you get back, the refund portion, you do have to record as income. Okay. So, because you might expense $10,000 a state, 
Yeah. State withholding. Yeah. To get the itemizing. Mm-hmm. And you might have a refund of 2000 You have to record the 2000 as income. But technically, you got to write off 10000 So, okay. whereas standard deduction, that doesn't happen, so you never have to record a refund got if it. you standard deduct. Nice. California, um, though, they do have a very high state tax rate, so they might no. be getting yeah. itemized. Just, they might be itemizing every year, in which case they would have to be recording the right, refund. I hope that answers your question. Um, if it doesn't, we can always you know, answer it Always follow up time. the next follow time. <laughs> um, all right. Can owners... Pay themselves a salary if their business <laughs> is an LLC. If their business is an LLC. Um, I'm really confused about LLCs. I'm going to ask you more about them. But can, why can't, or can they? And if not, why the heck can't they give themselves a salary? Uh, you can pay yourself a salary if you're an S corporation, which I believe an LLC can be an S corporation. I believe it can too. Okay, LLC... All that stands for is limited liability company. It means you protects you. It means you're protected exactly. Any assets in the LLC can be sued against, but they can only go after my LLC. They cannot come after me as the owner. My okay. personal house, my personal car. They can only go after the coffee stand, you know, stuff like that. So that's why people make LLCs. But an LLC can be a partnership, it can be an S corporation, it can be a sole proprietorship. That's why I'm confused because I read that LLC, if it can be taxed as a sole proprietorship, Uh or that's if there's one person involved, correct? Correct. And if there's more than one person, it has to be taxed as an S-corp? It it has to be taxed at a corporation level, at the minimum, correct. It could be a partnership, doesn't necessarily have to be an S-corp, but yes. But I also read that S-corp's owners will pay themselves salary and it's considered a business expense. Correct. Correct. So So there is why? there is a tax benefit and a tax this is again where having a CPA uh-huh. might be a good idea. Hey, yeah. my sole proprietorship yeah. is making 80 grand a year. Yeah. Now, as a sole proprietorship, this goes directly onto your tax 1040 schedule C. Yeah. which is a business sheet. Yeah. As a sole proprietor, you have to pay an, an immediate, I believe it's a 15.3% tax, no matter is that what. that considered high? It's called self-employment tax. Is that really high? Well, that is on top of whatever your tax rate's going to be. So oh you could gosh. have a 20% tax rate and then get 15.3% so tax as well. you should not have a sole proprietorship unless you make very little money? If you make less, I believe that we, we have like an Excel spreadsheet where we try to run the benefit, the cost benefit. Because again, if you do an S-corporation you will more than likely have to hire a CPA who's probably going to charge you about 800 bucks to do this because Correct. it's a business, it, it involves a lot more, okay. it has more liability. So that's where we try to adjust, hey, if we file you as an S-Corp, you are going to save money by not um, by paying yourselves wages because what that does, the whole thing about the 15.3% self-employment tax is you are paying your business employer portion of Social Security, Medicare, payroll taxes, you're paying the employee portion of Social Security and Medicare because you are both the employee and And employer. Okay, got it. But an S-Corp, again, if you're paying yourself wages, the business is going to be writing off the employer portion. Correct. And then, again, you're just going to continue to pay the employee portion, which is what you normally do. But if the employer portion is $2,000, on the sole proprietor level, that's including the 15.3%. 
there's you're not reducing your income by two thousand whatsoever. You're just having to pay that tax at the end. With an S corp, you're paying that tax up front and reducing your overall taxable income by two thousand. Which once again, if you're at a twenty percent tax rate, that'll save you like four hundred dollars. So, how do people know if they should be an S corp or a sole proprietorship, or do they just need to ask their accountant? That's where I would say you definitely need to consult. Um, I actually had a client it this just, year. It's, it's it's just it's, there's no one answer. You're saying it's very complicated. And Correct, detailed. and it varies by year. Like this year, they reduced the pass through entity tax rate down to I think twenty two percent. And you can just like change it. You can every year you can file differently depending on. Technically, you can elect different status, except for I think if you go into a C corp. I believe you have to wait. If you elect a C corp, what's a C corp? Um, a C corp is your big businesses. Okay. Uh, I can't. What does the C stand for? I totally forget. I can never remember <laughs> that. Um, but it's your big businesses like your McDonald's corporation, your Starbucks. They all get taxed at a business tax rate, yeah. and then any of their uh, officers. Is it like if you make it over a certain amount of money, you have over a certain amount of employees, or something like that? I think it's. I think you have to maybe be a C Corp before you can go public. Okay. And do the shares. Yeah, but yeah. I think it also is, it's not necessarily owned by owners, but it's owned by shares in the business. Like, yeah, yeah. Again, it's not- I own 5% of this C Corp. Yeah. I'm an officer. So, our coffee stand, what is that? It's a partnership. What's that? So, an it's LLC partnership. Partner- yes, LLC correct. Partner. So, the thing about the partnership is. Owners can't pay themselves. We cannot pay ourselves. We can. It's called guaranteed payments, in which case we'll get taxed at the 15.3%. Yeah. It'll come through um, on the tax return. But it is considered... Uh, I'm trying to think. So, sole proprietorship, you can't pay yourself either. Correct. You, are... you cannot pay yourself okay, with a sole okay. proprietorship. You can pay understand. others, but you cannot pay yourself. Okay. Um, nice. Um, do married people pay less in taxes? <laughs> do they actually pay less in taxes? And why <laughs> do they? Um. Like, I don't, I get the whole kids thing. I don't, you always hear, oh, pilots, one person are getting married. And I'm really confused about why you get to pay less. And I also thought you would always get to pay less in taxes. Like, somehow you, it's considered you have more expenses overall or something. Uh-huh. All I know is we don't pay less. In taxes, <laughs> I'm confused. I would say if you both had the equal amount of income, uh huh, it probably wouldn't be a factor because basically for most most tax rates go from single, let's say your single threshold is ten thousand, twenty thousand, thirty thousand for ten percent tax rate, twenty percent tax rate, thirty percent tax rate. Okay. Depending on how much you make. If you're married filing jointly, it would just double that. It'd be twenty thousand, forty thousand, sixty thousand. For your tax rate, for your tax rate changes. This is just, I'm just trying to do it very generic. So basically what I'm saying is... Explain this to someone who just like... Okay. Like don't get too complicated with the numbers. Yeah. But like, do you, you can say use some numbers to explain it, but like... So you're financial benefits to being married when it comes to paying taxes? Like I said, yes. Okay. If you have, um, if you have skewed income, if I make a certain amount of income and you make a lower or a higher income, uh-huh. then whoever has the higher income is going is benefited by the okay. lower income individual. But not the necessarily lower income individual. Correct. Okay. 
Because what happens, the reason why So is, overall, if you're sharing, essentially filing jointly, then you do benefit. Correct. Because basically, let's just say this. If I'm single and I make $40,000, yeah. let's say that that puts me in the 20% tax bracket. Okay. And I'm like, all right, I have to pay eight grand in taxes. This sucks. Yeah. But I'm married. Together, we make $70,000. Or sorry, together we make sixty grand. So you just add $20,000 to our income. Okay. But now I'm in the 15% tax bracket because we're married finally jointly now. And the tax bracket gets increased or it gets doubled. Right. Now I'm in the 15%. I just basically saved, what, two grand for being in a lower tax bracket because we're married. Okay, so you get in a lower tax bracket. Now you might get bumped up a little bit of tax bracket or you might be in the same. You might be in the same 15%. Yeah. So, but it it benefits the person with a higher amount for sure. Um, And I'm not sure. Again, I think that basically just doubles the tax brackets. Um, also, if you were to sell a house, it's very beneficial if you're married because if you sell a house, excuse me, and you have a capital gain or let's say I buy a house for 100000 I sell it for 500000 Mm-hmm. I make $400,000 on the sale. Yeah. If I am single, I can write off $250,000 of that. Okay. This is if I lived in this house the last two out of the five years I've owned it. Right. If we're married, I can write off up to five hundred thousand, oh, okay. which means I'm not taxed on any of it. So oh, I wow. get four hundred thousand dollars tax free, instead of just getting a hundred and fifty grand that I do have to pay tax on. Okay, so there are perks. There are some perks, correct? But they're not. It's not like oh, you're they're not as drastic as people, people I think make exaggerate them. Exaggerate, yeah. It to be, got it. Um, I'm just curious about this. If you're in high school and you work a job, yep. What percent do you, don't you get taxed like really low? Normally none. Or nothing at all. Normally none. And the how, reason why do you have to even file then? Like if you want to get your money back. So okay, what right, happens right. is so if, if you're in high school under the age of what eighteen? If you're in high school, or the, the age doesn't matter. It's just the fact that hey, I'm working. You could be twelve and working and right. having a W two. A W two is produced. Okay. Okay, it's sent in. Let's just say you live in Washington, so we don't have to worry about stupid Oregon income tax. Okay. You live in Washington. You make. Six thousand dollars. Yeah. Okay. You have two hundred dollars federally income tax withheld from your paychecks mm-hmm. over the whole year you worked. Okay. Okay. If I want that two hundred dollars back because technically it was withheld, I can file a tax return saying I made six thousand dollars due to the fact you are under the standard deduction threshold. Right. You uh, probably the twelve thousand. You'll get the money back right. now. If you are young enough and claimed by someone else then that isn't necessarily the case because if you're claimed by someone else, then you don't get to use the standard deduction, in which case normally there's a dependency exemption amount. If you make, I think the number this last year was like uh, 4000 If you made okay. less than 4000 you wouldn't owe anything to the IRS. So if you got a W-2 for less than 4000 then you could just file to get your federal income tax money with yeah. back. So pretty much every year the tax stuff changes. <laughs> yeah, no, literally every year yeah. they come up with new tax laws. It's great. Nice. Beautiful thing. All right. Um, I'm going to move on a little bit to some other financial stuff, not just taxes. All right. Buying versus renting. So much for a shorter podcast, huh? Buying. Correction. This is like my last section. Buying versus renting a house. Yep. Um, recently I've so heard good. a lot of debate on this. People like to rent, don't they? And you can be honest. I've heard a lot of debate on, you hear people just randomly throw out the statement like, oh, buying a house is no longer a good investment. And then looking into it further, 
I don't know if you know this guy is Gary Vee. Do you know who he is? I don't. He's like a American serial entrepreneur. He like has his own media company where he like. Does he murder ser- people? Is serial? No. What's going on? <laughs> he like. Ted Bundy. His clients are like Fortune 500 companies and stuff. Like, yeah. He's he has sticks. He's a very he's an entrepreneur, and a lot of people have heard of him. Is that but funny? you haven't, and I think it's just because you haven't. You're not really necessarily like you're kind of an entrepreneurial, entrepreneurial because you started a couple of businesses. Your own business and you like try started like investing in real estate and stuff. So you're very like entrepreneurial, but you don't, I guess, dive much into the world of entrepreneurs. And uh-huh. most entrepreneurs know who Gary Vee is. Nice. Uh, even people who aren't, I think, know who Gary. He's just very famous. Don't worry about the fact you haven't heard. Okay, of him. perfect. But let's move on to the question. a lot of people. I think he put out an article or a video at one point talking about this. Yep. And I looked into it because I know he's very influential. Uh-huh. And a lot of people like, oh, Gary Vee said, you know. Yeah. And when I actually read his article, what he was saying, he wasn't saying that houses can't be a good investment. He was talking to other entrepreneurs uh-huh. that are really into starting businesses and yeah. growing businesses. And he was pretty much saying, if you're between the ages of 20 and 40... The reason why I don't think you should be investing into buying a house yeah. is because that money that you're going to put into a house, if you use that money as capital to in a go business. in big offense on your business for the next 10 years, you are making a way smarter financial decision, a way smarter investment in your financial Correct. future. Yeah. And then I went through and read it. That's what he was saying. Uh-huh. And he was pretty much saying between the ages of 20 and 40, if you are an entrepreneur or entrepreneurial minded. And you need capital. He's pretty much saying, no, buying a house isn't smart. Because, even if you don't need it. Correct. He said, you should be taking that money. He didn't really address it to people who have normal jobs. Yeah. You should be taking that money and using it to play major offense on your business. Yeah. And investing into your business. And that's a way smarter financial decision. Yeah. That's what he was saying. That was interesting. And he was saying, and once you're in the, in the ages of 40 and 50, then maybe buy a house if you want, and you'll probably be able to afford a much better house. Anyway, that was one of the sides I looked into. Uh-huh. And then I've heard other people say the same thing. I've heard people saying renting is better because you're not paying interest. Right. You're, you don't have to worry about if something breaks, the landlord takes care of that. Yeah. You know, it's basically like risk free, and it's and it's cheaper than having to afford a house. Um, well, rent's really high. So this is where. What are your thoughts? It's it's tough to give a definitive answer in the aspect of we don't live necessarily in an area where every area is different. Some places have very high rent and very expensive houses. Some places might have high rent, cheap houses. Some places might be low rent. Yeah. Expensive house, like I don't know exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna speak as if it is high rent mm-hmm. and expensive houses, which is which pretty is safe bet. <laughs> where we are basically. Yeah. Um, I would, in my opinion, I think buying the house is smart, and my reason why is the whole argument that oh you're paying interest that's totally bogus, and and the reason why I say that is I am paying yes I'm paying interest on a loan and I'm paying principal on a loan. If I am paying rent, I am paying no interest, no principal. I'm basically paying, or actually, sorry, 
I'm basically paying 100% interest because I can't sell my where I'm renting. I can't ever get that money back. So you're saying by renting, you are. You're basically paying 100% interest, in my yeah. opinion, because there's, there's no principal you're paying down. You're basically making a payment that's never, ever going to come back to you. Obviously, where with me, yeah. yeah, sure, off the bat, 99% of my monthly payment is interest, but still, that little bit of percent of principal... I can get back if I sell this place, you right. know? And that's where I think people just, they think, oh, renting it's safer. And yeah, well, I had to fix a hot water heater, 800 bucks. But for the most part, if you buy a house that's in fairly good condition, there's not a whole lot of necessarily upkeep that people will complain about. I feel like there's say, a lot of upkeep you can do if you buy a house. It's not like necessary though. Yeah. There's a lot of, I feel like there is a lot of sort of random upkeep you need to do on a house. Yeah. That once you once you especially own a house, it's like, yeah. oh, I'm responsible for this. But still, even if but, we ended up putting an extra twenty grand into this place over 10, 15 years, like, I still think we'd be ahead because in 10 to 15 years, the value of this place will have doubled easily by right. that point with how the housing market is. Right. Um, and so... Yeah, I mean, it's tough because I think in this area, I would have had to pay probably at least 700 I probably had to pay close to 1000 bucks to rent a place. It, it probably would have been a two-bed, and I could have split the cost if I had found someone, and it probably would have included utilities, but you know, I was able to find a place and buy a place for less than 800 bucks a month, in which case... That was my utilities ago. and stuff, yeah, that was three years ago. Now, Not the so place would cost... <laughs> 1800 bucks a month if, if I bought it today. Yeah. So so you're pro buy the house. I'm pro buy the house. Again, it all depends on... I understand where he's coming from. I like the fact that you went and researched and figured it was for entrepreneurs. Because yes, if you're trying to start a business, you do need money. And if you are in a t place where there aren't really good cash investors that yeah. are willing to invest in you, luckily with our businesses that we've started with the real estate and the coffee shop, we have not only my brother, my partner has put up capital for it, but we've also found several cash investors that know we have good work ethics. One of them was my previous boss. Um, the other one was his son, and they invested with us. We gave them their money back, and right. then they reinvested. We right. proved to them, hey, we flipped a house. We were successful. Do you want the money back, or do you want us to keep using it? They're like, just go ahead and keep using it. We don't care. Right. So we were able to prove that, and that is, again, if you're not able to get that, you it might be smart to hold on, but at the same time, if your monthly payment by buying a house is going to be only a couple hundred bucks more a month in expenses, you still buy the house. have a chance to get your money back. Buy the house, buy correct. Because yeah. you never know. A year, two years later, again, if you can live in it for two years and sell it and make 30 grand, 40 grand on it, no, not taxed. Yeah. And then now you have that 30, 40 grand chunk yeah. to do stuff. I with. mean, obviously, like... You know, I'd say, yeah, maybe there's a point here if you are an entrepreneur and you want to live that lifestyle for the next 10 years where you're yeah. just all your money, all your, anything you've saved, you want to pour into your business and yeah. grow that really fast. And another thing people need to understand is you don't need a lot of money to get into a house. I was able to do 5% down payment. My total, I think, after closing costs, down payment was probably yeah. like 12 grand. That was yeah. it. Nowadays, they, you can do like a 3% Fannie Mae down payment. People are like, oh, mortgage insurance premiums. Yes, it's just kind of like mortgage interest. But again, if it allows it to be affordable, 
you just got to understand, you don't need to do a 20% down payment, a 25%, which is what I thought I had to do uh-huh. until I met with a mortgage broker. And they're like, no, you can do 5%. You can do first-time homebuyer 0%. It's yeah. up to you. So just get get knowledgeable about it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's very interesting. I mean, again, people have thrown out the phrase, buying a house was a good idea decades ago, kind of like going to college was. But now college costs so much that it's like <laughs> – anyway, I've heard I- things like that. And I made me think of this, which is, I think the reason why buying a house isn't as popular with, like, young people uh-huh. as it was for maybe our parents' generation mm-hmm. is because what people, it's not really, like, this, you know, like, on social media and stuff, everyone wants to, like, live this, like, fantasy life where, like, they travel ten times a month. Correct. And, and you can't do that. They're going to do different places and... Why would you own a house? Like, there's nothing cool about... N- sorry. There is a lot of cool things about being a homeowner. But the, you know what I mean? Like that Correct. whole world we live in today, the culture. Nothing cool about buying a house. It's not like, you know, a 22-year-old is trying to wait to the day they can go on Instagram and brag, I, I bought, bought my house. house. It's like, no, I went to India. I went to yeah Brazil, whatever. I went to uh, Italy. I, look at me. I, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. And so, like, people want to live this whole different lifestyle now. Whereas... I think there's a time, and it's, like, really rare now that people are, like, oh, yeah, I invest, like, we bought a house, and, like, you know, look at all the improvements we made in our home, and, like, our kids are going to grow up here, or, like, look at my garden. (laughs) Like, people are, like, become very specific groups of people. People aren't, like, especially young people, they're not, like, excited about buying a home and, like, you know, making it beautiful and awesome yeah. and then, like, planting a garden like it was. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, I get I was it. just like, wow. Yeah, like, that's another thing is people, for a lot of young people, I don't think it crosses their mind to buy a house. Yeah. It's not, like, this thing that they strive for and um, until they're like, oh, um, I want to, like, have kids now or, like, I want to get married now and, like, will, will my wife want me to have a house? Or, like, do I need yeah. to have a house Totally. Or are we going to, like, trap? Like, you know what I mean? Anyway. I would also say that right now may not be the best time to necessarily buy a house. Um, I do have, you know, a reservation with the housing market has increased significantly. And is it going to bubble and pop? I don't know. If you buy a house now, it is going to be very inflated, very expensive. But if the housing market crashes, will you be able to get it cheaper? I don't know because, in my opinion, people sell houses for only a couple of reasons. I'm going to make money on this, so I'm going to sell it at a, a exactly, high price. Yeah. Getting divorced, I need to liquidate the house and then split the money. Or estate. I died in this house. My estate is now selling the house. There's not a whole lot of reasons why people will sell houses. They're not going to sell it cheaper than what they bought it. Yeah, yeah. You know, unless exactly. the other one is, shoot, I lost my job. The bank foreclosed on it. Yeah. So, I mean, if the housing market crashes, people might not quite sell them for a profit anymore because of the fact that people aren't going to be buying the house because normally the housing market crashes people kind of freak out hold on to cash Mm -hmm. and not go spend it so that option goes away and the divorce and estate however is still the same in which case if they're not gonna if people aren't gonna sell them to make a profit which is i think a majority of why people do it then they're just gonna hold on to it wait for the bubble to come back up and then sell it then Mm -hmm. so I don't know if buying now is beneficial or not beneficial. I don't. It's tough. Yeah. It's a gamble. All right. I'm going to jump off that uh, category real quick. I have a couple more questions and we'll be done. Okay. Um, this is not including kids that are maybe homeschooled and so their parents teach them 
whatever their parents teach them. Yeah. Specifically, kids are going to like private or public school. Okay. Why aren't kids learning how to do their own taxes? In I think that's a great question. There's there's several Why things. Why are kids not learning things that seems like by the age of eighteen, eighteen years old, you need to know how to do these things, and you need to not be lost. Girlfriend, I agree hundred percent. I think it's ridiculous. Um, I know I've heard people mention like kids don't even know how to balance a checkbook. You know they don't know how to do taxes. They don't have to change their tires. They don't know how to change the oil. Like literal life. Well, needed. You know that's things. that's. That's if you own a car. You need to know how to change change your oil and change tires if you own a car. That's true. But paying taxes. If you ever plan to make money at all, you have to pay taxes. Correct. You have to know something about that and what you're going to do. And people know nothing. Kids know nothing. Yeah. Unless, obviously, yes, we have a great thing called Google. People, including teenagers, can go do their own research. But it's just weird that, like, people spend so much time in school and something, it's not even, like, learning how to bake a potato or change your tires. It's something that, like, everyone's going to do no matter what. Correct. Unless, yeah, you're going to do it no matter what. I can't think of any... Unless you, like... Hire an accountant right out of high school. <laughs> on an island and live, work for your food, you know? Like, if that's the life you want. But unless you're, like, going to go be a hern on an island and just, like, work on a farm and trade for your, your room and board, like, no. Everyone has to pay taxes at some point in their life. You Correct. Know? Just weird. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I think that people that I think that normally college or high schools have like a financial course at some point that you take where you learn how to maybe budget or do things like that. I think they should definitely throw a, a tax portion in there so you do learn about taxes and what you have to do. Yeah, I remember when my dad first told me when I first started like I got my first like check. Yeah, he was like he was telling me about taxes and like you have to pay tax. You're like making money. I think I was like. I don't want to pay taxes, Dad. 15 or something. But yeah. I was like, what? I was like, it's probably 14 or something. I don't know. I got my first check. And I was like, what, Dad? <laughs> anyway. All right. Um, what is your best piece of post-graduation financial advice for, let's start with college. Okay. Say you graduate from college. Let's just assume you have some debt. Yeah. What's your best piece of advice? Find financial. the cheapest rent you can. And pay off your what? And start, yeah, start should knocking Should you be like, off. find best paying job? Or should you go yeah, well, try to intern somewhere that's going to take you to your best job? Like, you need to intern between your junior and senior year at a place that you think you might want to work. Yeah. Or even if not, get that internship because people want on their resume to see that you had real world experience because school and real world are two completely different yeah. things. So, so pretty much find really cheap rent. And find really cheap rent. I mean, I'm hoping you already kind of have a job lined up before you even graduate. You should be, you're normally you're applying during your senior year. And like I said, if you had an internship, maybe you get a job opportunity from there. Or again, I would, we were applying for accounting jobs before we'd even graduated yeah. and had, had interviews. Yeah. So that's where I'm kind of hoping that you're on top of the ball during your senior year so that when you're in graduate you're locating wherever you need to go for work and yeah you're finding the cheapest rent whether that's buddying up finding friends that are also in the area and getting split into place where you're moving back in with mom and dad doesn't matter you find the cheapest rent so that you can start taking care of those student loans as well as if you don't have a car you can start saving up and getting a car and start because you're gonna need a car to get to work probably unless you can if you're in a city and you can ride the public transportation um but basically trying to reduce that student loan as much as possible so don't go on like a two-month trip to europe no i mean (laughs) if your parents want to like pay to take you on some vacation (laughs) go for it but i mean you're gonna need to start being very smart with your money and i would even say start saving up for a down payment on a house i think i bought my first car at age 22 my first house at age 23 so wow 
Well, guys, I took a very different path. <laughs> and I worked. I don't know I how we interjected. Go, I, ended, I did not go to traditional college. I continued my education, but I worked, just kept on working out of high school. Very good saver. And I just saved a ton of money and ended up. Just, just because I didn't know what I was to do with it, I was like, I'm either going to put this towards a business or I'm going to do something. I just saved like a ton of money. Yeah. Ended up putting a good chunk of it towards a new car that I said I needed my own car. That's perfect. <laughs> so. You saved up for it. Um, what's your best piece of graduation advice for high schoolers? High schoolers? Um, I mean, again, if you're looking for the four-year university, I'm hoping that during senior year you were doing scholarships, grants anything you can to make things more affordable. Um, once you graduate, I would say don't get a car unless you absolutely have to. Um, again, car is insurance, it's gas. Your buddies are gonna want you to drive them all around. Luckily, I had a roommate that had a car, so he I just rode with him everywhere. So you were the buddy that I, wanted to be driven around. I was the buddy around. that wanted to be driven around. <laughs> um, so, but that would be my recommendation, because yeah, I mean, insurance and gas, and that expectation, I mean, that, that will start adding up and eating into, you're going to have to get a, probably a part-time job or a full-time job while trying to do school, which is not, I would say, very easy. Um, but, or if you want to go into the military, like, good for you, go into the military. I'm not sure what to tell you to maybe do some push-ups. Um, <laughs> but, nice. yeah, I would say make sure you get on top of stuff your senior year and then just, just be smart with your money and don't party. If you're going to a four-year university, don't go to party because that is a very expensive party you're paying for. Cool. Any other thoughts on this topic? I think it's about good. Um, yeah, I can't really think of anything else necessarily. I'll stop my head. Nice, guys. Well, thanks for listening, and thank you to Andrew for talking to us and answering all these questions. Um, let us know what you thought, if this was helpful. Or if you were lost sometimes as I was yeah. trying to keep up. <laughs> what? If you have any more questions, feel free to let us know. Thank you for those that submitted the questions. Um, if you need more clarification, you can always message us. Yeah. We can try to help. All right, guys. We will catch you next time. Thanks. All right. See ya. Bye.